What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Mo, back with another episode of Up in Flames. Once again, I got a special guest. Guy's been consistent. He always comes with it. The president of the Off the Ball Network, Chris LeBron. And before we introduce Chris, let's give him a round of applause. There we go. There we go. I know you hyped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, ha- ha- had to give you a little round of applause. Use the Rodecaster Pro. You know, we, we had some technical difficulties, as you remember, but Chris, hey, what's going on, bro? I'm good, man. Man, the first day I got my caster, it, it, I was so intimidated. I probably didn't use it for like a week because I was like, all right, I have to perfect this because it's uh, once you get used to it, it's it's easy and it makes your life so much easier, you know, makes podcasting easier. But in the first couple of days, it takes time to get adjusted, but you'll get you'll get the gist of it. Yeah, I mean, 100 percent, you know, first time I, I wanted to get this baby going, definitely wanted to talk live and, you know, what better talk. Talked about the open weekend in NBA playoffs last week. You know, you were on and we talked about the opening. So now we're through the first week, week and a half. And there's been some disappointments. I mean, let's just be honest. Both of us are very disappointed fans right now. Um, you know, you're not as disappointed as I am because your team still has a chance no matter what, down 3-1. So let's get into it. So I think there's a couple things within that series that we could talk about. Um, but I think, you know, we, we bash stars. We, we're not guys who really bash stars, but we bash stars when guys aren't playing up to par. We call them out on it. And, you know, when we're disappointed in guys' plays. And, and so let's talk about Randall, the most improved player of the year. Looks not so improved in, in these NBA playoffs, bro. He, he really doesn't. He looks like he took, what, five steps back? And, and maybe that's being nice. He looks up through these four games. This has been probably the worst stretch of basketball Randall has played since maybe in a Lakers uniform, you check the numbers, like it's coming close to like his career lows. And this is a guy he's most improved. So Chris, we, we're talking about your Knicks. I, I hate that we have to do it because we're going to get into my heat. Trust me. You know, I'm not letting them off the hook. They'll be coming up next, but I want to talk about your Knicks, man. What, what, what's going on with Julius Randall? Oh man, Julius, you know, this was the worst. This was, this was the thing I, I was, you know, stressed about because Obviously, regular season, he was tremendous, right? We all know what he did and obviously most improved player and well-deserved. And he had a tremendous regular season and he might still be an all-NBA player. But this was what I was worried about is when the lights get brighter. You know, it's it was different when there's not there's barely fans, you know, or, you know, there are no fans in the stands. You know, early season, there was no fans. And then we got a little bit. It's a different when you go that to that till it's thirteen thousand people, New Yorkers, going absolutely insane, and and it's a different animal. And I just think he's pressing too much. I'm trying to impress. You know, I don't know if he's trying to impress the fan base or he's just trying to prove that he is one of the best players. He he just needs to relax and play his game. It just seems like through these first four games, he's he's pressing. He's He's doing stuff he did last year when he felt the pressure too of, you know, being the guy on the team and trying to live up to expectations, you know, when, you know, obviously the Knicks offseason didn't go the way it, you know, it, you know, as expected, but he's just pressing right now. Um, he's not playmaking the way he did in the regular season. You know, even his playmaking towards the end wasn't, you know, wasn't the same, but we knew, I mean, 
He at one point, I think he was at seven assists a game. We knew that was probably going to come down to earth. But still, you expect him to, you know, be a better playmaker and all that. And he's just, he's not attacking, you know, the way he used to. And Kenneth, oh, God, Kenneth. Oh, Kenneth. <laughs> oh, Kenneth. Uh, I'll get him. I'll get him later. Don't worry. But uh, his Lakers aren't too shabby, too, so he shouldn't be talking. You know, uh, I don't, you we'll know, get into uh, that. <laughs> but he's pressing. He, You know, he's just trying to do too much. And this is what I worried about this team. This Hawks team was uh, – everybody wanted the Hawks, right? All the Knicks fans wanted the Hawks, and I was the one to pump the brakes and be like, hey, this this, this ain't the same Hawks team we played, you know, uh, in the regular season. We played a banged-up Hawks team every game. So we're going to get a healthy Hawks team for the first time, and it's not going to be easy. And obviously – it hasn't been. We're down 3-1 on the brink of elimination, and this Hawks team is better than people thought. I mean, this isn't the same Hawks team earlier that was struggling, and people said the most disappointing team, and Trey Young came is emerging. He's he's uh, he's emerging as a, a young superstar in the making. His, his ability to pass and his playmaking skills, ability to get to the line, get to the basket at just at so small, and it's just amazing, and it's it's just been rough. Randall's not playing well. RJ's had his ups and downs. Reggie Bullock's had ups and downs. You know, Derrick Rose has probably been the most consistent player on this team. And if this was 2011, hey, you know that I think the that would be great, and I think we get more impact. But it's not like we're, it's not that it's not impact right now. But this Derrick Rose can't do that on a nightly basis. You can't expect him to drop 20 points a game on a nightly basis. He just, he just can't do that in this point of his career. So it's a lot. Randall's just not playing well. And uh, I don't know if going back to the garden is going to actually help him. And I don't know. It's weird. I feel like the, you know, as, as much as I love the garden, I think it's the greatest atmosphere in basketball. It, it can, it, it's something about that crowd that can get to people, you know, uh, especially players on the, on the home team. So, I hope he just comes back relaxed because there's no pressure. To me, the pressure's off now because now you're expected to lose in five or six. So just play your game. Got nothing to lose. You win this game, and then you go back to Atlanta, and you never know what happens, right? And then you get game seven at the Garden. This is what home court's about. So it's been tough for the Knicks. They, you know, they just – it's so hard for them to score. It's so inconsistent scoring and all that. But we'll see what happens in the Wednesday, and – Hopefully they bring it back to the ATL and uh, live another day. But it's just the game plan has just been really bad. And the Hawks are just hitting shots too. Like Bogey is hitting shots. Gallo, they got some good shooters on that team. You know, if John, and especially if John Collins is hooping, like he was kind of MIA the first couple games, three games. And Mm -hmm. in game four, he kind of had his breakout game and and played really good. So if all of them are clicking, it's going to be tough to beat the Hawks. But. Got to come back fiery and get ready to go for game five at the Garden, and hopefully they use the crowd to their advantage and, and um, play some good basketball because or else this season's going to go uh, up in flames. <laughs> no pun intended. But so before, you know, before we move on, this goes back. So I had a theory, I want to say, two two months ago, uh, three months ago probably, when we first launched the um, weekly recap for Off the Ball Network. Brought Edgar on to talk Knicks, you know, Edgar, huge, huge Knicks fan. 
But I, I, I came in Adam with a theory of why the Knicks are so good at that point, because nobody could really answer that question. Nobody was a hundred percent sure on why the Knicks are so good. It's one of those like, man, I don't know. They just are like, it's just something about them. So I had a theory and I'm like a team like the Knicks benefited from the regular season, not being so important to these teams with stars and championship aspirations. They, you know, they basically, they go out there, nothing to lose, play hard in the regular season. You saw it. I mean, the Knicks were what? The the first or second best defensive team in the NBA. Obviously, Tom Thibodeau, we know Tibbs is a defensive guru, but the whole, you have teams like the Lakers, you have teams like the Clippers, and, you know, we could go the Eastern Conference, the, the top three teams. They have superstars and kind of load manage a little bit, play guys less. Giannis doesn't, but, you know, Joel Embiid is injury prone, so Philly tries to refrain from the back-to-backs, and you don't have a guy like that on the Knicks. You got a, you got young, hungry guys who got their legs up under them that can play every night. And so now you're seeing it's different when everybody plays hard. It's a lot different when everybody plays hard. There is no random game on a Tuesday night that nobody's coming off of a back-to-back and you take advantage of that because that happens in the NBA all the time. I mean, you know, you have your betting show. You're a betting man. The best advice is if you see a team coming on a back-to-back and you see another team who's had two days rest, I probably would bet, even if they're favored or, you know, underdog by a lot, I would at least bet that they cover the spread. I'm sure there's, you know, some real, like, guys cover the spread on when teams play back-to-back, whatever. I'm sure there's a record out there for it and, stuff like that. But I'm just saying now everybody plays hard every night. Every game could be your last for the season. The season's over. No torn ACL is going to stop you from winning a championship at this point. Like you go all out. Everybody's playing defense. Everybody's playing offense. Coaches are adjusting. Defense. Defense. Atlanta's defense has been since Nate McMillan's taken over. They went from, I think they were the worst defense to being a top, you know, uh, at least top half defense, you know, top of the league defense. They that defense is ramped up, and when you play a team seven times, when you got to beat a team four out of seven times in series, it's going to change no matter what, right? Where you're going to even if you play the worst team, you're playing Detroit or whatever, you're going to the teams are going to make adjustments, and it just comes down to, oh, Kenneth. We're going to get back. We're going to get on Kenneth. We're going to put the pressure on the Lakers. Don't I can't worry. wait to talk about the Lakers and all that, but. The Knicks need to – it's simple. They need to come hungry for game five, you know, use the crowd as, you know, as their fuel, hit some shots, hit some perimeter shots, you know, not have RJ sit on the corner three. I know he was a good corner three-point shooter this year, but it was kind of – how do I explain it? It was kind of like a lie. It, it, it was – you're supposed to hit wide-open three-point shots, right? So he had a lot of wide-open three-point shots. That's why his percentage was so high. Now it's that's great design. Master Robin? being like PJ Tucker, master yeah. being wide open in the corner and he knocks him down. I mean, we talk about corner three guys. PJ Tucker's what? One of the best corner three guys we've ever seen. Why? Because he's mastered hitting wide open shots in games. Like, you know, mm-hmm. all these guys can shoot. Um, I, I forget what podcast I was watching or, or I think I was listening to Chris Broussard talking. He was saying like, it's not like guys can't hit shots. If you go to a shoot around and watch these guys warm up wide open, no pressure everybody's knocking down threes everybody from your worst three-point shooter to you is it missing so 
you know, it's one of those, if you're able to knock down the wide open shot, if you're getting them consistently, which, you know, you do have a guy like Derrick Rose and, and who can drive a dish, you know, very experienced vet. You have a guy like Julius Randle, all eyes are on him. He is the, the best offensive player on that team. Emmanuel quickly did a great job as a point guard. I still think y'all were missing that guy because, you know, the expectation of Emmanuel quickly being a rookie, uh, running the point for a team who's looking to win a playoff series. Derek Rose is like, he he's older. He's still, you know, he's not the same Derek Rose, but he's playing amazing, but it does just go back. It's like my theory is like coming to fruition because I said like, and the Knicks weren't a team. I wasn't trying to call them out, but I'm just saying like, they're so successful and people wonder why. And it's because when you have dogs who are going to come out in a back-to-back, doesn't matter. They're young, they're hungry, and they bought into the system. But it changes, and the difference in this series is Trey Young. And the reason I say that, Trey Young is a bona fide star. He's on his way. He's a young, up-and-coming superstar. And in the playoffs, for every series, that makes a difference. When Donovan Mitchell was out game one, uh, for Utah versus Memphis, Memphis had that star. They had that young, up-and-coming, bona fide guy in John Morant who was able to get them the victory. But Donovan Mitchell comes back, and it's not the same result. Obviously, guys have to step up, but when you have that true star, Trey Young is a true bona fide star. We don't know if Julius Randle, he's, there's a lot of factors with his play. He's on a contract year. You know, he's looking to get that huge payday. We've seen it. You know, guys who were borderline all-stars prior to their contract year, turn into yeah. superstars to get that bread. And then they get that bread and they, they level out their, their ceiling is where it's at and they level out. So they might play, they might give you that good consistent play for a while, but they don't really get any better. Like can Julius Randall get any better than what he is right now? Like this year is probably the best year that you'll see from Julius Randall. The only thing that could make him worth that money. If he gets payday is if he keeps up, the play that he had in the regular season for the next four to five years throughout his contract. That's where guys earn their money. When we talk about getting that big payday, it's not about, you know, when Luca's up for a contract, it's not about, does he get better? It's just, can he play superstar level consistently? That's it. That's what separates stars and these highest paid players. They all can, you know, play consistently. So we'll we'll yet to see that from Julius Randle, but I don't want to beat it in on the Knicks because you know what we're going to turn over and we're going to beat it in on my team you talk about a disappointment the Miami Heat you know what one time for the Miami Heat man they were bad horrible and and it you know I, I haven't really rant and raved much but Jimmy Buckets is no longer Jimmy Buckets he is Jimmy Bubble Butler and, and Chris, you know, I'm a huge Heat fan, but I said it last year when we went to the finals coming into this season, I was like, the bubble was a perfect place, a perfect setting for a team like the Miami Heat. I said it in the bubble. You know, I said it when, before the bubble started. I said it during the bubble and I said it coming into this season. Do not expect the Miami Heat to be right up there with the Milwaukee Bucks, with the Philadelphia 76ers because they were the reigning Easter Conference champions. If you look at the Miami Heat, what have I said before? They're the New York Knicks. Like, they're very similar. They don't have a true star. Jimmy Butler is older. Like, I know Jimmy Butler is still an all-star caliber player, and he's very good. But he's older. He's not 28, 29. 
I think Jimmy Butler's like 33, 32, 33 years old. I think he's like 12, 32. It seems about yeah, right. Yeah, guys are not going to play superstar level at 30. There's there's very few guys who at 33, I mean, you're talking about legendary guys who continue superstar play at 32, 33 years old. I mean, 31. 31. About to be 32. That's what it is. So if we go down the list of guys who after 30 continue this superstar level of play, you will say, Jimmy, you know, you will say bubble buckets doesn't belong in that conversation because we're going to bring up names like, you know, the late, great Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, uh, even Shaquille O'Neal. And even he fizzled out a little bit. Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Dirk, those kind of guys played just as great over 30, but not as long. I mean, in, you know, I always bring up setting this standard that LeBron James is the standard of how the longevity of greatness that's just like, you know, it's the comparison of Tom Brady is now the standard of longevity of greatness. No, they are just a rare breed in a world of their own. So Jimmy Butler, he's not, he's definitely not your number one. If you, he surprised everybody. The Miami Heat surprised everybody. First off, they didn't think they were making the finals. They were building, uh, they were building something basically to have Giannis. They got Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo popped. Tyler Hero had two good games in the playoffs and all of a sudden, or two good games in the finals, and all of a sudden he's baby goat. He's deemed this social media figure, and you know, you know, because he's that white boy, he had that swagger about him, and you know, his infamous, you know, lip is is, is what you would call it, is how he played. You know, now he got this, he gained this kind of confidence and he gained this level of trust that us fans had in him. I didn't, I didn't buy into the Tyler Hero hype. Then you look at Duncan Robinson. I love Duncan Robinson. I think he's a plug and play guy. He fits in with anybody who has a distributor of the ball. The the Lakers, it, Luca, a lot of guys. And he got James Harden. Like he could play with any star because he's a catch and shoot player. He knows his role, but he's horrible on defense. And this this what what do you want to call it? this blow up in in the playoffs? And I refer back to it, and and we've talked about this on plenty of cases. It comes down to the fact that you held on to your young guys of Tyler Hero, Duggar Robinson, Kendrick Nunn. You felt like you could run run it back, and you missed out on James Harden. And there went James Harden to Brooklyn. And now Brooklyn is a favorite. You can't tell me. First off, Miami Heat probably win the series if they trade for James Harden. That makes a whole different dynamic. Jimmy Butler is now your second, maybe third best player because Bam Adebayo has popped. And they're about even when it comes to all-star status, especially now. So now you're talking about Jimmy Butler might be your third best player. If I tell you a team and Jimmy Butler is questionably the third best player, probably the second, but questionably the third best player, you would tell me, man, that team could possibly win a championship. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even have to tell you who the better guys are than Jimmy Butler. If he's your third best guy or questionable, you'd be like, man, that team could win a championship. And we, for the young guys in the not win now mode, because we didn't get Giannis and we had some other things planned. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't want to jump into this win now mode because once you do that, you have to continue that. Or when you don't, when the win now mode is over with, it seems like it's a tough, uh, it's a tough rebuild. I mean, you look at the Cleveland Cavs after losing, you know, uh, losing LeBron, obviously Miami Heat after losing LeBron. A lot of these teams, Dallas popped a little bit faster because they were able to get a guy like Luca, but even the Spurs, like it's been a tough, drought ever since like the win now and keeping the championship guys together of Tony Parker, Tim Duncan and Mano Ginobili. I mean, they're going to win because of how good pop is, but 
they're not going to win a championship because it's tough to it's tough to make that rebuild after coming out of win now for so long. So what do you think about the heat? I mean, I feel like I went on a little bit of a rant, but but I'm going to give you the floor. Hey, don't hold back. You know, I, I'm upset. I'm OK. I've accepted it. I'm upset. There is going to be nothing that offends me because, listen, if there's not anybody more disappointed in the Miami Heat, it's me. I'm I'm livid that I had them losing in six. I said the Bucks will beat Miami in six. This isn't the same Bucks team. But to get swept and to look like you didn't even belong in the playoffs, we don't even look like we belonged in the play-in tournament. But go ahead, Chris. Go, you know what? Like, lay it on them. Go ahead. They were – they're by far the most disappointing team. I know – if the Knicks lose in five, it's disappointing. But is it really when the expectations for the Knicks weren't high going into the season? The Miami Heat were defending Eastern Conference champions. They went six with the defending champions, Lakers. Gave them six tough games. And maybe we didn't think Miami would get back, but we expected them to compete, right? You expect, right, this Heat culture, right? We talk about Heat culture, right? And that's huge. And it all season you you they were struggling but you always you always trusted them right you always trust Spolstra you trust Pat you're gonna trust Jimmy Butler he was hurt and they gave you a reason throughout the regular season they had a roller coaster season but they every time you're like oh man Miami's in trouble they go on this little win streak that shows like yeah, when yeah. Miami's at full strength and good to go you could trust that they're still the same Heat team they can make something happen yeah and you just expect that all right Miami. They'll be in the playoffs and they'll be fine. And then they, that's what happens. And then everyone's, you know, doesn't you don't want to play Miami because they're hot. They play good basketball. And that was the team like, all right, they, they're they going to have their championship, you know, run or, you know, at least have a deep run in the playoffs. And they, they get Milwaukee. And I think a lot of people were like, okay, this might be a repeat. You know, this is a tough matchup for Milwaukee. But not knowing that Milwaukee got a lot better, you know, a lot better. Drew Holiday, yes, they started off a little, you know, slow this year. You know, I remember they lost to the Knicks at the Garden when the Knicks still weren't – we weren't sure what the Knicks were. And they they finally started clicking and they started playing good basketball. Um, they struggled early in the season defensively. They were actually like, you know, like bottom tier um, – in defense, they were struggling for, but then they picked up and started playing uh, great defense. You know, on ball, off ball, three point defense got better. Drew just started to feel comfortable, and Giannis started to feel comfortable. And I think, and we we've talked about this before with Giannis. Everyone expect expects him to be KD and wants him to shoot and all that, but it's like just play your game, man. Let let your guys hit perimeter shots and all that. And they just came in. They knew what was at stake. They knew Miami embarrassed them last year in the bubble, right? They knew that they beat him in five, and Giannis was the back-to-back MVP, and they were supposed to get to the finals. Anything less than the finals appearance was a disappointment. So that added motivation on top of Miami just, you know, just looking older in this in this playoffs. They looked very old. Jimmy didn't look the same. Iguodala should just – it's time for him to just go – uh, Udonis has them. It, it's it's cool to have a vet like that. We love you, D. But it's like, all right, you know, he hasn't played in six years. <laughs> it's like, all right, let, let, let's get a little young, even if it's at the end of the bench. Like, and I know people talk about, well, who would you rather have? Udonis has them. But it's like, all right, enough with that. Like, you just got punked. It did, you know, Udonis has his 40. 
how many times, how many, you know, how many years you're going to give him a, a one year deal to sit on the end of the bench? Just make him a coach, then. If he's a high true. paid coach, if you really think about yeah. it, I mean, he's getting paid what two, three million dollars. Like, yeah, I mean, listen, high paid coach. You good? Yeah, you take the checks. I'm not hating on you, UD, but for Miami, yeah. it's like, hey, just make him a coach, Pastor, because you, know, you can get a better, you know, get get a young guy. They need to get a little bit younger. Bam wasn't good either. Bam, Bam was not good. He didn't live up to that. And listen, the pressure is going to be on Bam because now he's paid like a star. You know, yep. when he was a, when he was a, before he got that rookie extension, you know, people love because he's like, oh man, look at the value they got. They didn't, they didn't have to, he wasn't a top five pick, but you know, people talk about the block on Tatum last year and just the, the, the defense he played, you know, um, and he didn't show up. He didn't show up at all. Neither did anyone. Tyler Hero was awful. Duncan Robinson hurt his money too. You know, um, he's a, I think he's restricted this year. It's for Miami. They didn't really make major moves. They didn't really do any. I mean, they re-signed. They re-signed some guys, and they were expecting maybe Hero to take another step and Duncan to take a step and Bam to take a step. But it was like everyone stayed even keel. So your young guys didn't get take that next step, and Jimmy Butler, as good as Jimmy Butler is, is he's not a true number one. You know, he's not a go to guy. You know, it kind of feels like you have to. We saw in the playoffs last year, he has to give you every ounce of energy to to give you, and it's like we appreciate that and we respect that, and, and but I still need to figure. I mean, if the Harden stuff was real and true, and they passed up on him because of the young guys they like, it, it just seems like a mess. And I said that when it, when it was rumored that they were in it, that if they pass up on Harden, I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. And I know people are talking about he doesn't fit heat culture and all that, but I think that's overblown too because he, he wants to win. And if he had an op- if he thought Miami was a good place for him to win and you turn that down, to me, that that was a really silly mistake. If that is all true, but definitely the disappointment. I mean, they just—I mean, we're talking about game one was a good one, right? It went to OT, so you figure, okay, this is what the series is going to be like. It's going to be this type of series, dog I mean, fight. a dog fight. It's going to go six, seven games. You're going to have a couple OT games and all that. But then game one, you know, it goes. Game one's close, and then everything else is the blowout. And it, it was disappointing. I think they lost by like, I think the average mark of loss was like 19, 20 points. Like it was, it was just, it didn't show up. And it's stuff like this that it makes you question last season. Like, yeah, did they, and we talked about the Knicks earlier, right? Did they benefit from not having fans and not having that pressure? And did Miami benefit from not having pressure last year? And Face it, like there was no home court advantage for anyone, so that's another thing. So, it, it, it Miami's gonna have to go in the lab and figure things, some things out and see what they have to do to improve the roster because they can't bring the same roster back and thinking that you know everything's gonna change. You know they got to figure they, they got to figure out if they're gonna pay Duncan because Duncan's gonna want to get paid. He want he's probably good. he looks at Joe Harris and he's gonna look at Bertans. And guys like that in that where he's in that mold and see and look at that. And they got, I think Joe Harris got what 75 or 72, and Bertons got 80. Now Bertons didn't live up to his Bertons was not good this year at all. He he was pretty bad. But Joe Harris, 
Joe has benefits a lot from having a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, you got a bunch of guys who can get you wide open shots. Exactly. Nobody's worried about Joe Harris, and and you saw the games yeah. where nobody was worried about Joe Harris. He's, like he's the smartest man in the NBA because he stood put. Because listen, he could have gone to another team and got paid handsomely and maybe score a couple more buckets a game. Right? He probably could have got you sixteen, seventeen a game, maybe more. But he wouldn't get the shot. It, it would be a lot more tougher shots. We know that because people will focus on them. When you're in Brooklyn, <laughs> let's keep nobody's it real. worried about Joe Harris. You like, can't get double teamed. You yeah, can't you, get double teamed because you, you can't double team Joe him. Harris. Yeah, you, you don't fear Joe Harris beating you, but at the same time, like he can catch fire and make a difference on oh. why the league can get extended. Very, exactly. we saw it in exactly. what was game two. I think he had what like twenty points in the first half, hit like six threes. It was it was ridiculous, and you're like, "Up, oh, that's because he is a yeah. great shooter." I, I will not take that away from him, but he's over there in Brooklyn where you got to worry about Kyrie dropping a forty piece on your head. You got to worry about James Harden having a thirty point triple double. You got to worry about KD having probably some of the most efficient forty point games we see because KD's great at minimal shots maximum you know opportunity he maximizes every shot he takes every every time he touches the ball you look at KD's numbers and and not very often is Kevin Durant a guy who drops 40 and shot 35 times there's not a lot of times that you see that from Kevin Durant he's so efficient and yeah and for a guy who's a perimeter player to shoot you know the the, the shots he takes and be efficient it's Kevin Durant's a special player. And then that, that Nets team period, I'm sure we're going to talk about them too. But uh, the, like we talk about Miami, there's a lot of things they got to figure out this offseason because, you know, that your dream of Giannis, you know, because that third thing you heard was, you know, they were prepping to get Giannis. And then Giannis is like, I'm staying in Milwaukee. So, you know, I, I maybe Pat was try, thinking that he was going to pull the magic he did in 2010 when he got LeBron and stuff. And, mm-hmm. And that, but it's like, you know, you got it's that's not going to work this time. You know, you gotta you gotta figure this out. And the way this roster is constructed right now, it, it, this it, you know, I think there'll be a playoff team because I just simply think Spolster and company are good enough to get it done. Because we've seen uh, what Spolster's done would worse. But yeah. if you want to take be a championship team, you're gonna have to figure a way to get better. Figure if there's a disgruntled guy, you know, and that's the that's gonna be the theme of this offseason. I'm sure we'll talk about that in the future shows and all that. But the theme of this offseason is gonna find out who's the disgruntled guy who wants out. Who's the James Harden that wants out and wants to yeah. go to the Miami Heat or the New York Knicks or whoever one of the teams ascending. So or Dallas or whatever because Dallas. And I think I think Miami. I think, you know, Miami put all their chips in one basket with Giannis, but flunked out on him. And as we know, there's a key free agent out there by the name of uh, Kawhi Leonard, who, if you really picked a prototypical Miami Heat culture guy, dog, grit, whatever, and it wasn't Jimmy Butler, it would be Kawhi Leonard. I'm not a Kawhi fan. I really don't like the guy as a, a player. He's Well, I, lo- I like his game. I mean, let me got to – it's just something about Kawhi. I just – I'm not a fan of Kawhi Leonard. I think he's a great player, respectively top five to seven in the league. I'm just not a fan of Kawhi Leonard. Like, I guess I would be excited if Kawhi came to Miami for the simple fact my team now has a shot at winning a championship. But there's probably a couple other guys I'd rather have. I'm just not the biggest fan of Kawhi. But 
we, we're speaking of LA. And so, Kenneth, your time is you're on the clock. Can the King go 2018? Because that's what it looks like is going to have to be done. And that's just to get out of the first round. We're talking about a possibility. And you know, you know, Chris, it hurts me. It hurts me because it's never happened. He hasn't yet. So why should I believe that this year will be any different? But the King is going to have to go 2018, possibly in the first round, just to get out of the first round. And, and, you know, Shout out to Zach from the Off the Glass. He, he put out a great episode today. So, you know, my guy, Zach, shout out to you. Salute to you. It almost put a tear to my eyes. That's how realistic his takes were. So when you're done listening here, go listen to Off the Glass and you'll understand what I'm talking about. But the question of why I say can the King go 2018 is a lot of what he said. LeBron just might not be able to do that anymore. And it's okay. It's okay. He's He's in year 18. He's established himself as, you know, one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, probably top five in majority guys' eyes, top two, three, however you want to look at it, goat, whatever. But he doesn't really have much left to prove. But the thing is, is like, can he even, does he have that level of play in him anymore? We know 2018, it was amazing what he did with the 2018 Cavs at that age. We were impressed. And then he goes to LA and we're like, oh my God, if he takes them to the finals, obviously. His injury kind of prevented that. And then he wins a championship last year. And we're like, oh, my God, dude, in year, what was it, seven, 16, 17, wins a championship. And we're like, oh, my God, you know, we've never seen this. LeBron played amazing. Obviously, he had Anthony Davis. No guy does it by himself. But the 2018 trip to the finals was probably one of the most impressive trips to the finals we've seen by a superstar when you factor everything. That was one of the weakest teams Outside of LeBron James, that was one of the weakest teams besides what LeBron's 07 Cavs that had ever made it to the finals. You took LeBron, and that was a bottom three of the league team. You take LeBron off that team. I know he still had Kevin Love, but Kevin Love wasn't playing great at that time. Kyrie was gone. Then your next best player was like J.R. Smith. You took LeBron off that team. That's a lottery team easily, probably bottom three to five of the league. And he, he was able to do it, but he's coming off of a sprained ankle which it does seem like that's still affecting him a little bit. Uh, not as an excuse, but it's it's the realization, the realistic anybody, any guy who's coming off a sprained ankle and expected to put the load on his shoulders. And that goes for any player, but obviously LeBron, guys like LeBron and Katie, they're so hated that uh, it's not an excuse. If he was to say his ankle and he said he may never be 100%. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm even a guy, he might have been trying to build the narrative, but... He is, what, 36, 37 years old, sprained his ankle. We've seen guys not come back to normal for three to four months after a sprained ankle. And you're talking about a guy this old who doesn't have injury history, which really means like a guy like him doesn't know how to bounce back from injuries. And people don't think about that. Like when you don't get hurt that much, you don't really know how to bounce back. You're good at preventing from being injured, but you're not good at bouncing back. Anthony Davis, typically, he's a guy, I mean, if anybody going to bounce back from this groin injury, I would put all my chips in AD for the simple fact we've seen it time and time again. He's always hurt. He's like a walking injury. He just hasn't really caught anything so serious that changed his career yet. Hasn't caught that Derrick Rose, multiple knee injuries, or, you know, even the D-Wade knee surgeries. Mm-hmm. But can, can is it crazy that we're sitting in a time where we're thinking LeBron is going to have to go 2018 mode 
if Anthony Davis, you know, he's upgraded to questionable for game five, but I don't think it's smart for him to play. I just don't think he's, he's ready. Playing. He's not going to play. If, if there's no AD, it, can you believe we're in a time where we're saying LeBron might have to go 2018 finals run just to get out of the first round? A guy we've never seen lose in the first round? He, it's, it's, it's tough. It's the, the times they, in the danger. Um, the, it might be the first time he's never gotten the first round. Like it's this series has been a defensive slugfest. Like both teams defensively have brought it. And this is what I kind of expected too. I, I expected a, a, a defensive bat. Both teams are solid defense, especially when, especially when the Lakers have AD on the floor and the Suns have played really good defense this year. I think they're, they were top five on both defense and offense, I believe. So they, they brought it defensively. They got a, you know, eight is a, is a good defender. Obviously, CP3, not this, not maybe not all NBA anymore defensive as a guard, but still a solid defender. Booker has improved and Mikel Bridges can't, like, they got some solid, you know, Crowder is a big dude who can guard, you know, the LeBrons and the, the KDs of the world, or at least make it tough for them. It, it's, it just, well, listen. We 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 think LeBron's Superman, but no matter what, Father Time is undefeated, and it just might be that this is the time that we just going to see the official the decline of LeBron James, and his decline might be twenty four points a game, you know, six to seven assists, seven rebounds. Like the, his decline isn't like a real decline. Like we're not going to see like a Tracy McGrady decline or even a Kobe decline where. His last few years, you're like, okay, he's not the same Kobe, but can show it from time to time. Or our T-Mac decline where he's just absolutely – I remember watching T-Mac in the finals against the, the the Heat, and he's running with the – you know, he's coming off the bench when, you know, uh, down 20. Like, I'm like, that's Tracy. That's not even T-Mac. That's Tracy. Yeah, like, that's Tracy. You that's Tracy. Yeah, we we you don't get that's not T. And I think he even said like I wasn't T Mac. I was Tracy. Like I was running with guys who aren't even like league worthy or like like it, it, it's it, we're never gonna see that for LeBron. He always gonna be the Kang. He always gonna be the Kang. But this might be the start of it. And listen, if it is thirty six years old for it to start that the official decline when you were an MVP player. A practically top three MVP candidate every single year of your since for <laughs> since what year two, you know, that's not bad. He, he obviously the, the, the ankle, listen, if you ever sprained your ankle, I've sprained my ankle and it's lasted months and I'm just a regular guy playing pickup ball. Imagine being LeBron James where you have, where he spends millions of dollars a year on his body and it takes you a minute to get back. So I think the ankle injuries are, are catching up. And he's never really had injuries. That's the crazy part. The only injury he's had was the first year in Miami, right? I mean, uh, in uh, L.A. when he had the groin injury, I believe. And he yeah. missed like 20 games. So he's never really had major injuries. But no matter what, the injuries catch up. You get a little knick-knack here, knick-knack there. And when you're that age, it's going to catch up to you. So I think I picked I picked the Suns to win this series. I know the money was with the Lakers. You know, they were the favorites because of they are the defending champions and they're not a typical seven seed. <laughs> they're obviously a better, they're, they're way better than the seven seed, but obviously they hit a lot of injuries during the season and the West was a gauntlet. It, but it might, if, if Anthony Davis, even with Anthony Davis maybe being questionable, 
it's going to be tough now. You know, maybe if they had snuck M1 last night and, and steal that game away from the Suns, maybe you'd be like, okay, maybe LeBron can just – he just got to win one out of three, and he can do that, like, on his own. But die tied to a piece, AD is – with a groin, man, that's tough. That's tough. And it's going to be tough. You know, you're going to have Kuzma. I think there's no KCP either. I think KCP's out too. Yeah. So you're going to need Kuzma to step up. You know, uh, Markeith Morris is going to have to play some minutes. You know, what you can get from Gasol and, and, and Drummond. I think the Kang's time, you know, I, I think Kang's going to get his first first round loss playoff series, which is, I think that's an underrated a great thing about him too, is that the fact that he's never lost a first round series, other than not making the playoffs the first two years and then make it, not making the playoffs at the Lakers year one made the playoffs every single year and you don't lose in the first round. Like, but people are not going to bring up his final loss too. So they wouldn't even care. So, but you know how that is with the Kang, but yeah, it, it um, it, it might be time. They just, they offense, they, they can't do anything on offense. They're pathetic on offense. <laughs> it just, it's really bad offensively. I mean, just looking, I mean, they score, let's see, 92 points in the first game loss, 109, eh. 109, eh, then 90. That's just – in today's NBA, that's just not acceptable. You, you can't expect to beat a team like the Suns who can – who haven't had an offensive outburst yet, but you know they can they can pour it on. If Booker gets hot, which we know he could drop 40 on your head on, uh, on, on a drop of a dime, he could drop 40 on your head, and they got a bunch of other guys that could, that could score too. And this is with a hobbled CP3. Let's, forget, let's not forget that CP3 is banged up too. But – it, this might be it for the king. It, it might be his first first round playoff series loss, and it might be the little bit of a decline. Like I said, I don't think LeBron's gonna have that cliff. You know how Max Kellerman keep thinking Tom Brady's gonna have that cliff? yeah that cliff, and he's never. I, had- yeah, we're never gonna see that for LeBron. I think LeBron is the type of person that he's gonna know a year before. Like, okay, I'm gonna go out now. Like, I'm not gonna go out the way a lot of great players go out. Like we mentioned, T Mac and and some other guys, Shaq. I mean, where they're just irrelevant and they just whatever gone. Like they're averaging like KG. Like they're averaging five points a game. That's never going to be the case, LeBron. LeBron's LeBron's end is going to go on his terms, and that's what whether it's a year and it's crazy. It, it's 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 going to happen sooner rather than later. That and then. That's when people will appreciate LeBron James because it it's an unfortunate and not to get off top, but it is something that bothers me. We don't appreciate greatness from players while they're here. We wait till they're gone. Like people hated Paul Pierce for a year and didn't appreciate when he was there, but then he's he's away from the game and now people love Paul Pierce in a, in a way, right? Now that he's not doing broadcast, people appreciate him more. KG, certain guys that may, may have not got the love or or respect. Uh, from a lot of people that you appreciate now. So let's enjoy LeBron. It may be one more year we get LeBron. We don't know. He's only got, I think he only has one year left on his deal, you know, or he can do, you know, I know his sons, you know, that's a big thing. His son's coming up. His son could be a pro in a few years. We need to appreciate the King and what he's done. And uh, before it's gone. Cause his farewell tour, before we move on, LeBron James farewell tour might be, uh, I, I don't think he'll be Kobe like. I don't I think, think he'll so. be Kobe like. I think I because think so. Kobe, God rest his soul, 
Kobe was it was different. I think Kobe was more loved than LeBron James was. I, I just I think it'll be huge. I think everyone's gonna show him his flowers and give him all the respect. But there's no way you could top Kobe's. Kobe's but it's tough because a guy, a guy whose farewell tour was very, very outstanding was Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade's was crazy too. And like you didn't even like for a guy like me, I'm a D Wade fan through and through. But I didn't realize like D Wade would go through all the and be appreciated the way he was. Like I know D Wade was a great player and he really was never hated. Nobody really hated D Wade. Unless you hated him because he wasn't on your team and winning championships. I think when LeBron went to the Miami Heat, he became. But even still, like his farewell tour was amazing. We got that, what, 30 point triple double to close it out. Obviously, Kobe dropped the 60 piece, but. Yeah, that's why why you you can never top that. But God rest Kobe's soul, but come on, man. Like that's that's tough to pass. That's, but watch the game. Like they were guys I know. playing he defense. Shot the ball, he shot the ball times. like fifty times. But but the way like it, to me, the, I know he took a million shots. But that was the way Kobe was going to go out. Like he, he was on a bad team too, so it was a little bit different. But you know, I think LeBron. I think LeBron would ultimately end up. You know, I think he would get a lot more love than even we think. I think it'd be underestimated because you know he's out, and a lot of people would be able underestimated, to underestimated. Yes, they would take that yes. deep breath. Like they'd be, oh, thank God, this is you know that last time in everybody's stadium. Like, oh my God, I don't ever have to deal with a LeBron James canceling my dreams because but he's the people who hate him. Team's dreams, but the people who hate him and can stand him for twenty years, whatever that amount of time he played in the league. They're gonna miss booing him. They're gonna miss. They're gonna miss him saying something and them not liking it in in social media. The the, the effect of LeBron James when he leaves, both it, pause from people who love him and people who hate him, is going to be absolutely crazy. Skip Bayless will have to retire. Eggs. At that and point, then, Skip Bayless has to retire, and Nick and, Wright might have to also because and he then you got to figure exactly. But then they got now. The people like Skip and all these people who hate LeBron James because of everything, they're going to have to find a new guy to hate. And it's not that easy because a lot of these guys aren't essentially guys that have hateable traits. Like Zion, for instance, like say he's the Phoenix face. Can you really hate Zion? Can no, you really the thing is, none of these guys, probably the next face, probably won't threaten Michael Jordan like or – yeah. Kobe Bryant, like, and that's why the hate is Kareem Abdul Jabbar is yeah, yeah, the next case probably isn't gonna threaten that because LeBron was never really hated until the conversations came of like, oh my God, are we witnessing the greatest player of all time? And it came pre, and then obviously pre Miami, obviously Miami kind of enhanced it. At that point, it was like you know the big three was hated, that era was hated, the you know whatever. But I'm gonna move on from LeBron. I might drop a tear just thinking about the fact that, man, I LeBron will probably leave the league before I turn 30. And it's just crazy because he's yeah. been here since I was, like, nine years old. Like, he's been that, but But for people your age and all that who grew up with LeBron, LeBron is your guy. That's why I never get mad when people say LeBron is the GOAT because it's like, that's who you grew up with. I grew up with Michael Jordan, so that's why I think he's the GOAT because he was a part of my youth growing up. Yeah. So – and I'm sure when he if when he says I, I'm going I'm I'm done, it's going to be emotional. I'm sh- like Kobe Bryant. Even though Kobe wasn't one of my my top favorite player, I never really had a favorite player like that. But you know, I was a big T Mac guy, but he didn't have that moment the way Kobe did. It's going to be emotional. 
I know for me, being a Tom Brady fan, and, and when, whenever that man retires when he's 54, you know, <laughs> it's going to be emotional. Like, I don't think people, like, you know, everyone always asks me, like, oh, the Tom Brady stuff is like, when that man retires, man, there's going to be tears. And I'm sure for LeBron James fans, it's going to be the same because that that was that's your legend, right? Every generation that was with Magic. People talk about Magic Johnson, man. That's who I grew up with. That's my guy, Kareem, Jordan, LeBron James for, for, for guys your age, you know. And I don't know who that next guy is, but it's going to be emotional when it's his time to, to go and he's retiring and the face of the league for the – he. For, there hasn't been a guy whose prime has been essentially their whole career. Like we've seen guys with 10-year stretches and then the last, you know, five years are not good or, you know, maybe 13, 14 years. But like that's Kobe. the difference is the, the torch was exactly. passed. Like there was – it was unsaid, but there was the – you saw the passing of the torch. You saw like it went from Jordan to Kobe. Kobe to LeBron and you saw when it happened like there were moments within that season within those two or three years where it was like okay he is now the guy like you know after Kobe probably won his last championship it was like LeBron was already right there there was already already the argument over who was the best player in the league at that point and then it when it became bona fide and LeBron won that championship in Miami like the torches officially passed this is the guy who's about to run the league Obviously, we didn't think for the next nine, ten years. We thought, you know, maybe the next five to six, and then another guy will come. Because LeBron had already been in the league seven years when he got to Miami. So we're like, okay, next five, six years by year 12, 13, it'll be about that time where Kevin Durant or Steph Curry, and it, that time never came. Guys were there where we thought the torch would have been past Steph Curry, face of the league, tried it, possibly Kevin Durant. But I think with him being hated so much um, and not having this, I don't, you know, I don't care attitude about it. Like, if you hate me, you can hate me. I'm still a baller. I'm still one of the best players you've ever seen, and that's a great mentality to have. But he just – a guy like KD just was never going to be facing the league because, yes, he is the best player, but he's not the guy. Like, he's not media-friendly. The media doesn't love him. He doesn't have that charm about him. He just goes out there and has that killer mentality. But I want to get on our last topic before we go, and we're going to stay in L.A., and we're going to talk about Luka Legend. Will Luka Legend be enough now? As everybody knows, uh, I hate the Clippers. Uh, If you don't know, now you know, I hate the Clippers. I absolutely hate the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, And it's like an unexplained feeling. Like, I don't know why I hate them so much, but I really have, uh, I loathe the Clippers. I just don't like, I don't like how Kawhi came in in L.A. and I'm the king of L.A. And then everybody gives him a pass when he failed. Like, like, let Kevin Durant have came to Sacramento or, or you know, or or it, it's tough to say, like, compare it th- that same way. But let KD have came to Sacramento and said, I run the Bay Area now. And, you know, I'm the king of the Bay Area, not Steph. And then he fails miserably. They would have killed Kevin Durant, absolutely murdered him. You know, you murder James Harden for not being the greatest playoff player. The deeper they go in the playoffs, because if you look, the narrative that James Harden doesn't do it in the playoffs is false. It's just the deeper they get, his game declines a little bit. But this whole notion that Harden doesn't turn it on in the playoffs to me is ridiculous. You look at a lot of his performances in the first and second round. People falling into the narrative. So one person, you know, ESPN or wherever, says that James Harden is not clutch 
or, or it doesn't perform and then everyone just latches on without actually doing their homework and realizing, no, he, he can. It's just CP3 yeah. got hurt one year and, you know. Just some series of unfortunate events just running into certain teams that were just better. People don't like to admit that there were just teams that were better. Guys aren't supposed to win everything. When you face a guy in, in him as an individual and his team is just better, you lose. That's how it is. And this is this is basketball. We play the best of seven over here in this league. We don't play any given Sunday. The, the better team doesn't always win. This is basketball. When it comes to the playoffs, the better team wins every time because you have a, a best of seven series to prove it. If you beat a team, I don't care if it's in game seven. They're fairly evenly matched. They go to game seven. But that better team won. When you win four times, you are the better team. Even if it's four to three, it's fairly even. But hardly ever does the team who's not better right there in that moment win a series. You don't really see it very much. Uh, the last I can think is like when Memphis upset San Antonio. But you don't really see upsets in the playoffs. Like you just, it's not an upset kind of league when we talk about the way the playoffs are set. Baseball's pretty much the same way. Baseball a little bit different though because bats can get hot, pitchers can go through slumps. Uh, you know, your, your lineup cannot be adjusted, but. When it comes to basketball, it, and then we're talking about Luka Legend. Like, you know, a lot of guys, is, is he the new Larry Bird, the new era's Larry Bird? And up 2-0, man, Luka, Luka had put on a show, took stole two in L.A., um, made, made, you know, made everybody question everything about the Clippers. Myself, you, you know, we all question, like, are the Clippers frauds? Like, are they some of the biggest fraudulent t- team you know, they're already a fraudulent franchise in a sense. They they have this sense of pride about them being the Clippers when you're like little brother. Kind of when you look at it, it's the same scenario over there in Brooklyn. Is like it took them to like buy their stardom to try and have this argument that they're bigger than the Knicks when you know, you know, the city of New York and in the surrounding area, you know, the state of New York is always going to be a Knicks town, even if Brooklyn wins the championship because Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden ain't going to be there forever. Where the Garden is forever. The Knicks are forever. It's a forever brand. But will Luka Legend be enough? The Clippers came back tied. It is now 2-2. Two to two, And the Clippers look like the team that, you know, coming into the playoffs, you're like, man, I think either the Lakers or Clippers come out of the West. In game one and two, they look horrible. Uh, Kawhi played really good in game two, and actually so did Paul George, but their supporting cast was absolutely terrible. I mean, Kawhi Leonard dropped 41, Paul George had 30, and they still lose the game, even though if you actually watch the game, Kawhi Leonard had 30 at halftime, so he didn't answer. He had 34 points with six minutes left in the fourth quarter, which means he had four points up to that point. So Mm -hmm. I will say he didn't finish hot in the second half, but it's okay because he plays on both sides of the ball. But is Luka going to be enough? Like, can he do it? Is he going to be enough? And it's tough because – there's some guys on this team that has deep playoff run experience. They got some championship experience. You know, uh, Kawhi, Serge Ibaka won championships. Um, Paul George has been deep into the playoffs. We've seen him in the Easter Conference Finals before. Uh, you know, right, Rajon Rondo, playoff Rondo has won a couple championships. We saw, you know, with Boston just as of recent last year in the other locker room with the Lakers. And Dallas doesn't have any of that. They have Luka Doncic. And when Luka's off the floor, they're horrible. Like, they are not a good team. Chris Stapps, you know, he's he's good when he's healthy, but Chris Stapps hasn't been the guy, you know, the unicorn that everybody thought he was going to be ever since he came into the league. Obviously, that's why the Knicks 
let him go. And, you know, that's one of the most disappointing things for the Knicks is, and it's not the Knicks. It's just the fact that there were these high hopes. Everybody thought Chris Stapps and what about Knicks fans? It was just everybody. There was a sense that Chris Stapps was going to be that Dirk Nowitzki type of overseas player. And really turns out like Luca is that guy, you know, you thought Chris Stapps was going to be that overseas guy. And it's actually turned out to be Luca, but is he going to be enough? No, definitely not going to be enough. Um, he's dealing with the nerve injury. You know, he has a, a thick black, probably a pinched nerve in his neck. He hasn't looked right since having, getting it. Porzingis obviously hasn't shown these last two games. And then Tim Hardaway bowled out the first two. I think he had 21 and 28 in game ones and two. And then I think he's had four and four and eight. He hasn't scored. I think the last game was four points. He just hasn't played well. They're the guys that they need to step up haven't stepped up. And especially with Luca dealing with this injury now where, you know, it's just going to be super uncomfortable. Can't trust Porzingis to take over, you know, and that's going to be something they're going to have to address in the offseason is, is Porzingis the number two? And he hasn't shown to be a true number two, you know, to try to make him a number one in New York, and he couldn't handle that. Then they shipped him in Dallas. They said, okay, at least if he's not number two with Luke, this young kid, we got something here, but it hasn't, hasn't panned out that way. And it, this series has just been weird because the first two games, I mean, Paul George wasn't him himself. Kawhi was, you know, on and off, you know, had moments, but, and the, the role players were kind of were awful. And then they go to, they go to Dallas and, it's like we see a whole different team. The defensive intensity is up. I mean, they gave up 81 points to Dallas. Like, they shut them down in game yeah. in game four. Like, Hardaway was not couldn't hit a he, he couldn't hit he couldn't hit the Atlantic Ocean if he could. Like, it just you know um, it Porzingis wasn't great, and obviously Luca shot think what he shot nine of 24. It just wasn't good. It wasn't good for Dallas and. I don't know how to honestly. If you were to tell me like a, what's your expectations for Game Five, I have no clue. This series is so unpredictable. I mean, we just saw both away teams dominate. <laughs> yeah, we don't. You don't. You don't, you don't see that. You right? We've seen series where both teams, all the home teams, win. You know, the home team won four games and out of you know out of seven. But this is weird. I don't know how to. I, no, I don't. I don't know how to predict this. I don't know what to expect for game five. If it continues the trend, Dallas wins the series. If if the away team is going to win every time Dallas wins the series. And, and you would if think Clippers would have the momentum right now because they just won two on the on the road. But we but, thought, you know, we, well, thought, we thought the same thing. Dallas going back home and you're like, exactly. oh, my God. Like, so, you know, the best case scenario for the Clippers would be that they would have split game three or four. That would have been the best case. Obviously, they got the ultimate bag of being able to be 2-2 winning both in Dallas but we felt like man the Clippers only fighting chances if they can split but you know there was the are the Clippers going to get swept like that was a possibility we thought you know some of us thought it was very possible I mean the way the way Dallas came out and looked and it was just something about the look in Luca's eyes like he was a killer and even in game three when they lost he still his numbers the loss was not on the shoulders of Luca he did everything he needed to do they lost and then obviously game four, like that pinch nerve, he was questionable for him to play. Uh, shout out to Luca, you know, showing his, 
showing his resilience, showing he's he's a tough guy. He could play, and he, he's kind of turning into the NBA's bad boy a little bit. You know, his temper and, and things like that. You know, he gets into it with the refs, so kind of changes things. But I just – I don't want to say definitive that Luka will be enough because if the Clippers have come into form and, and play like they have these last two games, I don't think he'll be enough. But if the Clippers go back to the inconsistent roller coaster that we've seen in the past two playoffs, then – then Dallas has every bit of a shot of winning this series. And um, like I said, if the trend continues, the away team wins the series, which would actually be the Dallas Mavericks. So if Luka's not healthy, they have no shot. Yeah, and that's the problem is that Luka may not be healthy. But, you know, bro, I'm glad you came on. I appreciate you for coming on. So you know how we do. The floor is yours, bro. Yeah, man, appreciate appreciate you. So you know I got to do it. I got to give you your – And then a little bit quiet left. <laughs> but no, appreciate you having me on, brother. It's always fun to talk, chat, uh, talk, and uh, you know uh, we'll be doing. Obviously, we got a, uh, another week of two uh, K uh, post game shows this week. We'll be on. We're on the. We'll be on for that. So uh, we got another busy week, but uh, always, always, always great to chop it up. You and talk ball. Yeah, one hundred percent, bro. I appreciate you for coming on. You know, everybody go to OffTheBallNetwork.com. We got articles rolling in on a daily basis. Game. I'm, I'm doing my draft profile, so I, I'm I'm working on my first one. I'm going to do da- uh, Davion Mitchell. He's one of my favorite players, great two-way player. He obviously tremendous run to the national championship, so his stock's going. So that's going to be my first profile, but I'm going to do a bunch, um, get them done because it's almost, you know, getting to draft season and all that. So uh, uh, be on the lookout for that on OffTheBallNetwork.com. Yeah, like I said, we got great articles coming. Uh, like us every day, you know, just help us grow. Uh, we're gonna keep giving y'all the content that y'all love, uh, and we would love the feedback to see where we can improve and and what y'all want to see from us in the future. But to the audience and to everybody who watched, got to give you your round of applause. <laughs> I know so, you're, I told you, you're gonna love that. You're gonna love the caster. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just amazing that I could do that. But I appreciate everybody for tuning in and listening to Upper Flames Live. Uh, I put it out, you know, out there tomorrow for everybody to see on YouTube and everything else on all platforms. But on that note, Upper Flames is out.